morning for the reading of this morning's scripture from chapter 13, Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the people will see the man, the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even, the, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It is like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the, roosters crow, when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. You may be seated. Before we begin dissecting the text today, I think the context of this passage is, is especially important to understand. It, it kind of begins suddenly, and, and we're, we're just kind of cast into end times, the signs of the end times. So the, the context of the passage, the setting is this. Jesus and his disciples are outside of the temple of Jerusalem. One of the disciples notes the beauty of the temple. But Jesus is quick to warn him that the temple, no matter how beautiful it is, was only a temporary building. And at some point in a coming day, every stone in the entire building would be taken down, not one connected to the other. The external appearance, the opulence of the temple, it was all fleeting, along with each of the people worshiping within it. And beyond that, Jesus came as the way to change the need for the temple here on earth. God would no longer need an embassy, if you will, on earth, as Jesus came to change that need and to be the bridge that mankind needed in restoring a right relationship. After hearing that the temple would be destroyed in a coming age, Peter, James, John, and Andrew inquire as to the timing of that coming event, wondering when it would happen or if there was any sign they could look for that would give them some clue as to when the time was near. Much like people had been looking for signs of a coming Messiah, they wanted to know when the end times would be showing up, when Christ would be coming back. Jesus was able to give them some insight on what would be taking place before his return, outlining the suffering and persecution that his followers would face, 
But he warned that no one would truly know when it was to take place. He warned that there would be false prophets predicting when it would come. And he says in verse 6 of chapter 13, Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, but they will lead many astray. And that's something we need to protect against. It's a common mistake to make, not only looking for clues when Christ is coming back, but other situations as well. For example, many people looked at John the Baptist as their long-awaited savior. They were longing for someone to put their hope in. And they made the mistake almost out of desperation, I think. And when we can make mistakes when looking for good news, it becomes easy to do and might even become idols in our lives. We can have the best of intentions when doing good works, but those won't save us, will they? We can do everything to have a beautiful building, great programs, but on, those, on their own, those things fall flat, don't they? There's got to be something behind it. There are plenty of good parts of our lives as followers of Christ, but we need to just be aware, be careful, that Christ is always the centerpiece, because he is the only one that will stand the test of time when it's all said and done. Christ also says earlier in chapter 13 that we need to be on guard. We will need to be willing to bear witness through any trials and persecutions that we may face. He doesn't promise us that our lives will be easy as his followers, but what he does promise is that the Holy Spirit will speak through us and we won't be left alone to fend for ourselves. He won't leave us, especially in the most challenging of times. So Christ warns us of false, false prophets and teachers that seek to lead his chosen people astray. But when the real thing, when the Savior shows up, there's a different feeling, isn't there? As we read in the beginning of our passage today, we see that when Christ returns, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give light, the stars will fall, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Christ isn't just someone with a feel-good message that doesn't stand up to the trials that we go through. He changes the equation. He shifts the balance of power when it comes to our struggle against the evil one. We know that Christ will be with us, but how do we know that what we're dealing with is the real thing and not just a message or a feeling that's going to lead us astray? I think the answer, the answer here is fairly simple, really. The way to avoid falling for something false is to know the real thing, inside and out. I'm sure many of you have heard the example of a bank teller going through training on finding, a, finding counterfeit bills and identifying them. They can look over all the bills they want, but there are some pretty clever fakes, aren't there? The way that they're trained to tell the real thing apart is by feel. They run hundreds and thousands of dollars through their hands, counting and feeling the real thing. Then when they come across the fake, it's a lot easier to identify. The way we can protect ourselves from the false teachers that Christ warns us of is to know the word of God that, so well that we'll immediately know the difference. Psalm 119 says, Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And Ephesians 6 teaches us of the armor of God that we can equip ourselves with. If we fill our hearts and minds with the word of God, if we put on the full armor of God, we can withstand the trials that we know will come in our lives. And how much more easily will the Holy Spirit be able to speak through us 
during times of trouble if we have our sword represented by the word of God at the ready. Again, that's not to say that it will be easy, but let's at least give ourselves a fighting chance against trouble and prepare. No team goes into a game without practice. No general leads their army out onto the battlefield without a plan. So let's not fool ourselves into believing that we'll be able to get ourselves in shape spiritually once we find ourselves in trouble. We have to be in the word, in prayer, and in community with believers so that we can be strong in our faith when we need it in times of trouble. <clears throat> Next, Jesus uses the example of a fig tree so that the disciples could understand a little better. And I appreciate that. I like it when things are made simple so I can understand. Just to give you a little insight into my life, one of the many weird things about me is that every year I count down the days until daylight savings time returns in the spring. It's truly one of my favorite days of the year. It's not that I'm looking to lose an hour of sleep. You've heard me talk about my three kids, so any parent knows that less sleep isn't what I'm looking for. But I can always find a way to ignore that and focus on the fact that all of a sudden it's light out until seven o'clock at night. It comes right at the time where we're no longer driving to work and driving home from work in the dark. And to me, there's no bigger reminder that spring is coming. There's going to be new life in the yard, more time to be outside. It might as well be Christmas to me. Christ used the fig tree in the same way for the disciples. It was one of the few trees in their area that would lose its leaves in the fall. And then when it started showing new growth in the spring, it was a sure sign that the warm season was about to be upon them. In the same way, the disciples, and in turn, the readers of God's word throughout the centuries, could look for signs that the end times were coming. There was no date that would be given, but we know it is always drawing nearer. There's always a possibility that we see the day when Christ returns. And then in verse 31, Jesus further reinforces his earlier point of everything on earth being temporary when he says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. We know that there are eternal implications in our lives, and that's what we need to be prepared for. One of my main goals with uh, my ministry to the youth here at Maple Park is to have an internal impact in the lives of kids just as so many people have had on mine, that my words would be from Christ and last in their lives. The older I get, the more obvious it becomes that my life is fleeting. I know one day, sooner than I'd like, I'll be gone to eternity, and I wanna make sure that I've done everything I can to help create new spiritual life, to have an everlasting effect, so that more people are in heaven because of the words that the Holy Spirit speaks through me. And it has very little to do with me, thankfully, because I'm not worthy of being up here telling any, anyone how to live. But I know where every gift I have has come from. I know the God that put me up here today, and he is the same one that brought each one of you here today. And he is worthy. God the Son saw the fallen people that we are, and he still said yes to humbling himself, being born in a stable, and dying on a cross that we might live. 
the little baby Jesus that we are so eagerly anticipating on this first Sunday in Advent did that for you and for me. And he told us to be prepared and keep watch because he lives and he is coming back to collect what is his. So let's hear again just a little more of what he says about when he is coming back. I'm not completely sure why, but I've always liked the passage where Jesus explains that no one knows the day or the hour of his return. Maybe it's some of the simple imagery he uses to explain it to the disciples. I'm not sure, but he throws out a few examples that help simplify it. He likens it to the owner of a home, leaving people behind to guard, not letting them know when he will return. In other verses throughout the Bible, he says it'll be like a thief in the night. And if anyone here has ever had anything stolen, you know the frustration of missing something that if only you had been alerted, you would have been watching. But we don't know. He warns us to be on watch, much like the shepherds were the night he was born. And maybe he did a bit of foreshadowing here, because in the very next chapter, chapter 14, the disciples are supposed to be on watch while Jesus is taking some time alone to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. But how does he find them when he returns from praying? He finds them asleep and asks them, you couldn't even complete one hour on watch? Yeah, he finds them asleep, but he knew their shortcomings ahead of time, didn't he? He said to them, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's still the truth today, isn't it? We want to do the right thing, but our sinful ways and our inattentiveness get in the way over and over. The Apostle Paul struggled with this as well. He says in Romans 7, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I think that sums up our situation pretty well most of the time, doesn't it? We do what we should not do or don't want to do. And we leave the things that we should be doing undone. Spending a couple extra hours studying God's word at times seems like an impossible task. But spending an hour or two scrolling through Facebook or watching TikTok, that's pretty easy to slip into, isn't it? Or maybe Netflix. Not that those things are always the wrong thing. But Jesus' message in this passage was one of urgency. The version we read today ends with an exclamation as Jesus tells his disciples, Watch! And as I thought about that one word, I thought about a few applications to our lives. Obviously, we need to be aware that Christ is coming again and be watchful for that. But I don't think Christ intended for us to simply sit in one spot and remain alert, just watching for one thing. If you've ever tried to stay awake for a long time, maybe like the disciples while Jesus was praying, or maybe you've counted down the hours while you were sitting at work, I would contend that the way to make the hours go by the slowest in those situations is inactivity. I remember I had a job in college at a small tuxedo rental place, and there were some days in the winter when we were slow that I might not have one person come into the shop during a five-hour shift. I would bring my homework, get that finished, and then I'd still have three hours left. I could either sit behind the desk twiddling my thumbs or I could occasionally find things to do, but those were some of the longest hours of my life, 
sitting there watching the clock count towards closing time. But then we had homecoming weeks and we were renting out 300 tuxes in one week and a 10 hour shift flew by. So all that to say, I think the watch command that Jesus gives is not the variety where we sit inactive. Rather, we need to be aware of our surroundings. We need to be prepared, be prepared for all situations. If you are a believer, you can at least be assured that Christ is going to take you to spend eternity with him. But what about your coworker, your neighbor, or your family member that doesn't know the Lord? Maybe I'm reading more into this than Jesus meant, but I think he wanted the disciples to not only be on the lookout for their own well-being, but also to watch for those who might need to hear the good news. And that's a hard message for me to hear sometimes and put into action. As an introvert, I can't tell you the number of times that I've failed in sharing because I didn't want to put myself in an uncomfortable conversation, or maybe I doubted my ability to even say the right words because I was going to mess it up so badly that God couldn't work through me anyway. But luckily, God keeps bringing us opportunities so that we can be more prepared and more willing to share. And we know that he promises his Holy Spirit to provide the words that are needed. <clears throat> so in closing, much like the beautiful temple that Jesus said would one day be destroyed, it is great to have a beautiful building, wonderful people, and well-planned programs. But those things will all be for naught if we don't continue to share the good news that for those who haven't heard. It's not just about what things look like on the surface. It's not just about the temporary things that won't matter when Christ returns. It's about a simple message of a savior that came to earth to spread the good news and then tasked us with continuing that until he comes again. I would say that absolutely without a doubt we are in a world that is passing away with so many people around us living in darkness. But God has sent us a light, hasn't he? So let's be a people that are constantly on watch, aware that Christ is coming again, and ready to share that news with anyone and everyone we encounter, because they need to hear the good news of great joy. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, as we prepare to take communion, we thank you for this season of Advent that we have entered into. We thank you that we have a Savior that was sent to save us, that he died for us, conquered sin and death, and that we know he is coming again to claim his victory. So let us be a watchful people, always ready to share the message with those that need to hear. In your holy name, amen.